Well, today, guys, we're going to be talking about uh, ghost hunting and ghost hunting equipment, um, any of our experiences ghost hunting, what we do, any tips, tricks, and all that good shit. Um, so, I guess to start it off, um, I haven't done a lot of scientific ghost investigation. To me, my like a lot of people's, their passion, their pursuit in this is to prove uh, that ghosts are real, scientifically. Um, and while I want that to happen, um, I do it for personal growth, personal enlightenment. Um, so I don't, I don't have a, a shit ton of equipment, personally. Um, in fact, there's a lot of it that I don't know, I don't know how people can claim that it is evidence, because a lot of it's just reading, like, fields and what have you, and then they're extrapolating stuff, but there is some stuff that's very compelling that's out there, some equipment that, out there that I think, uh, might be what finally cracks the case, so to speak. Uh, and we'll get into some of that. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, how about you, man? Uh, what's uh, what's your ghost hunting experience? Uh, how do you approach it? Why do you do it? Um, I, I do it for uh, several reasons. And um, I'm learning investigational techniques. Um, there's been a kind of a shift in what a lot of paranormal experiences are to me. Um, I got a little, couple little different classifications of what I think is going on. Example, there's, there's spiritual stuff going on, a.k.a. what people call ghosts or spirits. There's elemental stuff going on, which I think is more think is more natural i think it's part of net like part of nature um there's multi-dimensional stuff that's going on which i think is more scientific um the old adage is magic is just science that we don't understand i believe um, that entirely and then the fourth category is the scariest one for me um and that's the demonic uh, presence. Evil, like pure evil kind of shit that goes on. Forces kind of thing. And then along with the, the same the same breath of the evil is the angelic uh, experience. So they're, like, they're like the yin and the yang, which I don't think angels are considered spirits. It's something different. Um, but that that's my basis for my exploration and my investigation and my delving in diving into and or experiencing the paranormal i guess right on uh when you when you investigate what kind of tools do you use um it depends a lot on where i go um 
if I'm going in a enclosed space, like buildings and stuff like that, I do investigations a little different. Um, enclosed spaces, I'll use uh, my voice recorder. I'll use EMF reader. Uh, I'll use my SLS camera. Um, I think the EVP thing is kind of, uh, it's kind of new to me. I, my equipment, my um, voice recording equipment is, is, is interesting because you hear things and it's, you know, it's straight up an interpretation. Like it could be anything, you know, you lot, you watch a lot of these adventures, these ghost adventure shows and um, stuff and, and and they'll say something and they'll say it says something and you're like, uh, I don't know. I don't know for, about that. For anybody that doesn't know, EVP or electronic voice phenomenon is when you take a piece of audio um, from your investigation and with your ears, you've heard nothing. But on the audio recording, there is something. Um, a lot of the time, like he was saying, uh, it's it's muffled or garbled, or you can barely make it out. So people will extrapolate what's there, but it's it's speculation. It's There's nothing hard there except for it's interesting that you didn't hear it, but it came up over on the recording. Now, sometimes it's very eerily clear, and those, but those aren't... You could have 100 EVPs and never have one that's crystal clear. Uh, it's one in a thousand, right? Basically, it's, it's 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 crazy. But when you do have that one, it makes it worth it to have it on you that whole time because it can be very interesting. Even the garbled ones, it can be very interesting because when you're in a when you're in the situation where you're ghost hunting, you're on high alert. You're listening for everything. You're looking for everything. So it's not like you're just sitting there reading a book or or talking to a friend and. And you missed something, but a recording picked it up. It's you are aware of your surroundings. So the fact that you miss it is interesting of itself. And then you can get into the context of what it may or may not say. Um, right. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the missing it thing has been, you know, I had some explanations about where we're not actually missing it. It's the, the entity, the spirit, the whatever imprinting the sound on the, device so it's not audible at all right i've heard that which is I've a whole nother that. discussion absolutely i have also heard that sometimes it's just at a frequency we can't hear right like uh, sight sound and light we can't see certain exactly. spectrums of light exactly um so yeah evps very interesting something i enjoy as well i don't think we're ever going to get the scientific proof that people crave through an evp there's too much too much uh, wiggle room for interpretation and what have you. It's not hard science, but still a good thing to have in any ghost hunter kit, in my opinion. Um, EMF, EMF detectors. That was that one of the things you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I love EMF detectors. I think EMF is more of a um, not exclusively, but I think it's more of a. Um, it's more of the magic because we we understand what electrical you know electric magnetic fields are we but we don't so much understand what they do right 
And I can tell from personal experience, like you can go up to certain devices in your house, your Wi-Fi router, your power box, and you can turn on the MF reader, put it up the side, it goes nuts. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, but I can stand here in my chair in front of my computer, turn it on, it will not go off. And I'm right next to this huge electronic machine. But if I, you know, put it right up against it, it goes off. Right. Right. Well, I've been out in the middle of a cemetery where there's absolutely no electricity whatsoever. <laughs> and the thing goes off. So something <laughs> electrical or magnetic is going on outside of what the kind of energy that we produce. Right. So I don't know what it is. Right. I have no idea. So there's, there's theories. No um, so there's that. The electromagnetic magnetic field in regards to the paranormal um, is basically, um, it, it exists outside of reasons for the paranormal, obviously, when we're trying to figure those out. But when it's theorized when a ghost is trying to manipulate the world around it, um, whether it's to communicate or to affect things or what have you, it draws energy from the surrounding. Um, and this this draw or the expulsion of the energy of actually doing it affects that natural magnetic field. Um, and that's why we're supposed to be able to pick up changes when there's paranormal occurrences. Um, and it makes sense to me that it's drawing energy from somewhere because everything in this universe, as far as we know, needs energy to function. And... There's no perpetual energy. It has to come from somewhere. So that makes sense to me. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, there, there's people that are sensitive to electromagnetic fields. Um, like they can make you nauseous, make, you know, give your body all these sensations. Uh, and I'm one of them. If I go into like a basement with an improperly shielded um, uh, breaker box, fuse box, like I can tell without even looking where it is in the room and it starts making me feel funny and not good. Um, they also say that exposed uh, exposure to high amounts of EMF um, can cause all the things that you experience when you feel like you're experiencing a paranormal event. Um, nausea, anxiety, paranoia. Now, is that the electric magnetic field? causing that or is that an experience that's happening like when they record that and i i think that's very interesting and i think once we crack the case so to speak scientifically we'll have that answer of whether ele high electric magnetic fields period does this to you or these cases were recorded that doing that to people there was actually a paranormal event going on at the same time so i'm i'm interested to see where that goes as the science uh opens up and we understand and learn more. Have you heard anything like that before? Yeah, for sure. And uh, a lot of it, um, a lot of it they say has to do with um, basically the individuals being susceptible to those kinds of, that kind of energy, right? It mm -hmm. in it's kind of, I find it, compelling that in a situation where 
they may not be having a paranormal experience, yet they are because of that. Makes me think that outside of being near actual regular high amounts of EMF, is it, like you were saying, is it still paranormal or is it just really magic that we don't understand? Like it's something that it, it interrupts our brain function or like it's something physical. It's something that's normal, right? It's something scientific. Right, right. But yeah, I, there's many cases of um, investigators that I have talked to. They've gone into older buildings that were incorrectly wired. They found high high like dangerously high because there's levels that they they've already determined that are actually like physically dangerous for us mm -hmm. and they've they found those levels and those people were having experiences hallucinations because they say it can cause hysteria and hallucinations and stuff like that and they went in they fixed the wiring got the got the fields reversed or whatever they do shielded mm -hmm. and and the experience has stopped. Interesting. Um, is it something that opens our brains up to paranormal experience? Was it a forced experience that's to be determined? Like you, we would have to, there would have to be a lot of data right. <laughs> recorded and analyzed, you know, the, the good old scientific process, right? It just, it just, the only things that they've started doing that I've been able to figure out is determining what dangerous levels are. Right. They, and, they, and they don't define it by paranormal experience or hysteria or whatever. They just, they, they determine it by the reactions of, you know, mice basically. Right. Cause how that's how they test it. How it physically affects their body, both through brain waves right. and actual physical reaction. Heart because rate, blood pressure, you know, yeah, one could argue, and you can't really refute it just as much as you can't prove it, that once they properly shielded the uh, the electronic, you know, the electric wires and, and breaker boxes and everything in that building, that the paranormal experiences stopped because the paranormal entities could no longer harness that power. So yeah. uh, it doesn't prove or disprove anything. That's always right. the most frustrating Right, right. But it's something like it's something that's really tangible. Like the average, like okay, I say like the average Joe, the mm -hmm. the person that's not into the paranormal or curious, and they're just going out, and they can have that experience. Like you can literally take an EMF reader to any graveyard in the United States of America, air in any single graveyard, and have it go off. That, well, you, that's you, pretty pretty crazy if you think about it. You can go in the middle of a field and there's a chance that it'll go off. Like these right. fields are they're all over. Anywhere you could, could seclude yourself from electricity. Right. So it's it's definitely interesting. And, it, and that's why I think EMF could be one of the, the case crackers once we start sorting this out. Whether it's to disprove or to prove, I think EMF is going to play a role in that. So you got your recorders for your EVPs. You got your EMFs. What else do you have? I have an SLS camera, Tell which basically it. it's it's complicated but really simple. Basically, it's human 
body tracking software. And what it is is it is an Xbox um, S. Well, it's an SLS camera. It basically tracks the points. It's it's got an uh, I can't say that word uh, algorithm in it that tracks the human body. So it looks for a head, looks for shoulders, elbows, hands, knees, and feet. Basically, is what it's doing. Um, when you're playing the Xbox. Um, motion games or whatever that's what it tracks it tracks your body it maps it to a screen etc and then, you know you've got different games it can implement different things so for for investigation purposes what it does is it tracks um it tracks humanoid shapes and you can you can set up a dummy like a, a human dummy, and if they're if they don't move, right, mm-hmm. it doesn't pick them up. It it's it's it activates on motion. Right. It's a motion sensing camera, right? So what happens in investigations is you'll I I call it the tingle. I don't, everybody has a different you know thing for it. Um, for me, it's a specific feeling, spidey sense, whatever you want to ca- call it. When they when they have that feeling, hair standing up, goosebumps, uh, the feeling you're being watched. There's all kinds of different things that lead up to why I would turn the camera on, right? Because you can't leave it on all the time. <clears throat> and then you can have somebody stand in front of the camera and they move and you can see it. It makes a little stick figure and they track the people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is you'll be investigating, you'll get that feeling, and it'll start tracking something humanoid that's not there that we can at least physically see. Right. And um, there's a lot of uh, software engineers that I've talked to. Uh, you, know, you know, FaceTime tracks your face, and they, they do the um, the little glasses on your face or giving you devil horns or making your face look weird. You know, the manipulation of FaceTime, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the software engineers have been having anomalies when they're testing their software. Like they'll be testing somebody and like to test different types of overlays and stuff like that. And they'll get an anomaly behind the person or beside the person or above the person, the the software will pick up another face that's just not there. Right. And scientists are just like, okay, what is that? Right? <laughs> right. That shouldn't be happening, right? Well, SLS is, runs on the same premises. It's a little different camera because most cell phone cameras don't have motion-sensitive cameras, right? Right. At least not so, right now. I think some of the real expensive ones might. I, I I don't know. I haven't researched that. But so, what is that? What is happening? Why is it tracking a human figure on that device? That's a compelling question, for sure. And a lot of uh, experiences that I've had, like personal experience, is I could sit there. Leave it on <clears throat> all day long. Nothing happens. 
and then all of a sudden I'll get like a tingle, right? Mm-hmm. I'll get the feeling, I'll turn it on, and I'll capture something. It's so weird. Like, and what's really weird is sometimes it'll capture little things, little people. I don't know what you, what do you, what, what, what is it? Is it, is it capturing a, an animal? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Sometimes they're like really tall, go off the screen. Like, I don't know what's happening. I'm, I'm right? glad you mentioned that one. I, the, when you told me you got this camera, I didn't recognize the name of it, but I recognized once you told me what it did, uh, what it does. And that's because of, uh, uh, the, the, Professional wrestler Chris Jericho had a, a monster hunting show for like episodes, I think. And in one of them, he was down in, I believe, Louisiana, in an area that was supposed to be first slash mystically activated for in some way. But um, they're talking uh, like a local, like native tribe would talk about these little. Basically, I would say kind of like uh, like fairies, but with a Native American undertone and a little bit of a violent side, although not malevolent. And while they're looking around with this camera, you could see uh, next to one of the people uh, a form probably three feet tall, like the sticks. Nothing there, obviously, but the, the motion sticks that he was talking about. And it looked like it was dancing. Mm-hmm. It was so cool, so interesting, and so compelling. But I kind of wrote it off because it's a TV show. And then you're hitting me up, telling me about like this is a thing, and and I'm and I'm I'm making this, I'm getting this, I'm doing it. I'm like, man, like that makes it way more, way more compelling. And it was already super compelling and interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for this little bit of technology being used in this way. Very excited. So uh, yeah, it's 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 yeah. the science part of it that I like. Like it's just not okay, let let's address the elephant in the room. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of quack <laughs> paranormal investigation things, like electronics and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff that's just like pretty ridiculous yeah i'm gonna go over some of them uh what else do you have in your kit you got anything else in your kit uh yeah i have uh i i use um uh carpenter's chalk i use um you can use flour but carpenter's chalk is a lot easier to clean up (laughs) um we have a we have a, a bowl of water thing that we use. Um, we have uh, what we call, um, it's just a mirror, but uh, we, we use a mirror sometimes. We also have a ball that we see if we can get it to move. Um, I, I'm saving up to get a, uh, again, on the scientific side, uh, a... Um, an element reader that reads temperature. Um, and uh, also I would like to get some rim pods. I'm looking at buying a couple of rim pods. Basically what rim pods are, are EMF detectors that are sent 
that are supposed to designed to stay on all the time and when something mm-hmm. gets close to it it goes off gives an alarm yeah right and it lights up and stuff like that but that that's pretty much the ex- extent of the equipment that i'm using right now yeah a lot of investigators use um stuff that that's like low-key always running and then will alert when something happens usually it's uh motion sensors and what have you uh because even those will seem to trigger stuff that we can't see um and a lot of it has to do with with the spectrum and frequencies um a lot of the paranormal stuff that occurs seems to happen just outside of our realm of observation or at least direct observation uh whether that's in you know the infrared or you know different frequencies of sound that we can't hear or whatever just seems to be right outside which makes me think that it could also be it seems to be likely that it's the the layer idea of of the layers of reality um and that whatever realm that we're getting a glimpse of is just it's our world adjacent that kind of thing dimensions yeah right um the uh it, it it seems to make a lot of sense how some things can be there and then just not be there bigfoot exactly (laughs) and and we've talked about that a lot with bigfoot um and i I got even more into it with the um with the hellier stuff and the mothman stuff and the idea that there's ultra terrestrials and perhaps uh beings from adjacent realities or dimensions like i i think that there's uh I think that's the direction things are going, and um, these these sensors, this these arrays of sensors people are using, I think are able to glimpse those adjacent dimensions where uh, our senses can't really tread reliably anyway. Um, so you got your motion sensors, you got your 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 EM, EMF sensors. Um, there's people have put together arrays of sensors like the trimeters and and stuff like that where it'll it'll observe several different things uh emfs and and um what what is the other one i'm not great with all the different frequencies of stuff but um there's there's thermal there's radiation right there's a bunch that's another one we didn't discuss that I would like to have eventually would be a, a thermal camera, but just yeah. that's kind of expensive habit there. We are. Um, so like uh, a, a tri-field meter um, will uh, give you sound alerts for strength, but it, it detects across the AC magnetic, the AC electric, and the RF microwave all in one device. And uh, its gauge will kind of tell you what it's picking up and what have you. Tri-field meter, I, they use it a lot on Skinwalker Ranch. Um, the thing with these meters is they'll tell you if there's a change in the levels and what that change is and that it's happening. 
But unfortunately, and the reason why it's not cracking the case is it doesn't tell us what that means. So we don't know what it means. We just know that it's happening. And that for some reason, other things accompany this fluctuation in those fields. Yep. So, cool stuff. Still not cracking the case. You got like the K2 meters, um, which I remember from Ghost Hunters. Um, which the two founding members of Ghost Hunters now both have different shows, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think Ghost Nation and Ghost Hunters. Yep. There. Um, but they, they both uh, measure changes in a field as well as facilitate communication, or at least that's the theory. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of equipment that would claim to facilitate communication. Um, but what I find about that is that it's dreadfully unreliable and un up to interpretation because we're assuming for one that there's an entity there and that the entity knows how to manipulate the device and or the fields around it to do precisely what we're asking of it so it's another one of those things and people pay hundreds of dollars for for stuff that that facilitates communication or so they think but it's it's dreadfully unreliable. Like I can't expect uh, the ghost of little Susie to understand how to manipulate the electric magnetic field or whatever to then manipulate my device to give a green for yes, red for no response. Like, I, and I don't, I don't understand how people think that 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 is as reliable as they seem to say it is? I don't know. What's your opinion? Well, here's the thing that I I found with EMF. Um, And again, I can't say it's not interpretation because it is. But when I'm sitting in a building and I have my EMF reader on and nothing's going on, nothing's going on, nothing's Mm -hmm. going on. I'm sitting in a spot, nothing's going on, still nothing going on, right? And then I get a feeling that I'm being watched or my hair stands up on my hands. I get that eerie feeling, whatever you want to call it. And then the the EMF reader starts going nuts. Mm -hmm. Out of the fuck, just literally out of the blue. Right? Right. I consider that a personal experience. With a little bit of scientific backing. I wouldn't say proof, because a lot of people like to say proof. Mm -hmm. We can't call it proof until we know what the purpose is of the EMF for the spirit world or whatever, whatever its magic is, right? That we haven't explained. We'll call it magic. Right. <laughs> but um, as many times as I have tried it, and it's been very consistent, like you want to talk about like reliability. Like when I'm in a situation, like it, I, I try to keep myself from seeing what I want to see and hearing what I want to hear. 
That's a big thing with me. Like I try to keep myself as neutral as possible when I'm investigating because I've been with people and everything's good and then somebody feels something and then everybody's like, ah, I'm crazy, right? And it's just not real. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not. I mean, there could be a few cases where something crazy happens, right? I'm not saying that it's not possible, but the majority of the time it's just people scaring themselves. People feed off each other with that kind of thing. So there's something to it. Uh, but again, I, I'd never call it proof. Like you, you'll see a lot of investigators like this is evidence or this is proof. And proof is defined by, you know, basic scientific process with, you know, multiple cases, lots of data. Just because you go into a place and you have an experience that's it's not it's 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 some data. Like if we start collecting that data reliably between different people with the same device or something like that, and that's mm -hmm. that's put to scientific process, yeah. You you could maybe at that point start calling it evidence or proof, but we're not there. Right. What I find to be perhaps a better use of resources if you're trying to have the experience <clears throat> where you're communicating with again little lucy the ghost um i would suggest instead of spending you know 60 to 200 dollars on uh on a dice a device with little lights of different colors get a flashlight and and i've, I've seen it happen I've seen it happen where they, in communicating with whatever presence was there, the flashlight would turn on and off or have a couple of flashlights and they'll go on and off to, depending on what's being asked. It makes more sense to me that that's a reliable way of communicating if that's what's happening because it's a much more simple procedure. Affect this button. You know, most people, like the idea of a... Of a a switch or a button is way more easy to demonstrate to a spirit, even out of our time, than asking it without direction to manipulate things to make this box work. Like, it just makes more sense, and it costs you, like, a buck. That's my thought on that. Gotta be frugal. Shit's expensive. <laughs> All right. Um, the, um, another thing that I think is cool, it can bring some interesting experiences, but not something I'm prepared to throw money down for as far as ghost hunting is, uh, the FLIR, uh, cameras. And while I wouldn't throw it down for ghost hunting, because it's super expensive and it doesn't seem to give there's not as many hits with that in ghost hunting as like you would need to justify it in my opinion however if I were investigating cryptids or things that I, I feel have like a flesh and bone presence in our world then definitely I'm going to bust that flare out uh what do you think of it in regards to the ghost hunting? Um, 
I mean, in ghost hunting, I, I don't have any personal experience. I've never had a thermal when I've been investigating. Um, but I've, I've seen a lot of videos, and some of them they're like, well, that's just, that's nothing. That's a, a you know, corner or draft or whatever. But there's been some thermal um, recordings by some pretty credible people, and they're like, you know, you're seeing what looks like anyway. Again, interpretation, right? Right. Looks like a full-bodied apparition. And you think to yourself, trying to be, like, scientific about it, you're like, okay, so what is that? <laughs> I mean, like you try to explain it, and there's not a whole lot to explain it. Because the thing about thermals, from what I can tell, is it's a whole lot of nothing until there's something, and when there's something, it's crazy. Right. You know, so I've talked to other investigators, and they take their thermal with them, and they'll go on 20, 30 investigations, and nothing happens. And then they'll be in the right time, the right place, and then they'll capture something that's just almost unbelievable. So there's something to it. Again, it's more magic. I think it's more science. I think it's the science we don't understand yet. There's a reason it happens. We just don't know why. Right. Just for $380, it's hard for me to, to suggest that to be in, in everybody's kit. Because right. it is so much of nothing until it is maybe something. Right. And it's expensive to run. It's like the power requirements and, you know, there's a lot of hidden costs there because you have to have pretty big battery packs and shit like that for that. Right. Um, something else people use uh, is like uh, laser grids, laser gridding to see something move through the space when you know you don't actually see something there um i find that to be interesting and compelling uh but sadly again no proof no at like it's not proving the existence of the paranormal yeah it's speaking of laser grids exarkin there is oh, after the stream i'll find the the story that I read, but there's this company that makes security um, equipment for banks and different high security places. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and a lot of them use lasers for motion detection. And they actually started writing in their algorithms, sensitivity ratings for their lasers because they were setting up laser grids and they were constantly going off and they and they are unable to determine why right. and it's different from place to place like it's not it's it to me it would seem like it's some kind of field or something i don't i don't know um but they had to write algorithms into their soft their security software to reduce or increase the sensitivity of the lasers because in certain places they were going off constantly. Right. Nothing there that we can see, <laughs> but the lasers were going off. 
And I would assume they'd account for dust. Because dust could trip. Well, a lot of these, sensitive. the lasers are in bank vaults. They're sealed. Like, yeah, they're pretty hermetic spaces. But yeah, they... And that's on the same coin, the same company does the cameras, the motion-sensitive cameras. And there's a lot of problems with motion-sensitive cameras going off all the time. Gotcha. And they've wrote software into their programs for their cameras. And they also just know that they have to turn the sensitive down or, sensitivity down or up depending on where the camera is. And scientifically thinking like okay so what's causing that right right and these are people <clears throat> that aren't ghost hunting like you know what i'm saying like they're not preconditioned to thinking that it's something supernatural right right that kind of stuff is compelling to me for sure so that's most of the major stuff, except for one thing, um, which I was kind of saving for last because it's a, a bit of a controversial thing, even for me. Um, so of course, with cameras, like there's full spectrum cameras that pick up everything, uh, every light frequency where our eyes can only, you know, pick up what we can pick up. Uh, that can be compelling, but rarely is it usually a shape of something or what have you like never have i seen like it looks exactly like a person facial features and everything but they're not actually there which i want i just don't think that that that's how things work um but it's very compelling to see a full spectrum camera at work um and the idea like behind the technology of okay let's let's make something that does actually record all these spectrums it's a lot of this stuff a lot of ghost hunting equipment was technology used for something else that seems to uh be functional in this in this area so people take that technology and start focusing it in that there's just so much <clears throat> people are, are insane with talent like it's it's crazy um so yeah that 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 last thing and, and and if if one of us thinks of something after it we'll cover it but the spirit box i for a long time anytime somebody would like try to present evidence with the spirit box i would kind of roll my eyes um because it, it can be there's a lot of interpretation, room for interpretation. Um, it's notoriously hard to, to actually understand the, the stuff coming out of it. But if you guys tune in on Tuesday nights for the watch parties, you guys understand why I'm, I'm now compelled by this piece of equipment, if used in <coughs> this particular way. And that was the sensory deprivation method that they used on Hellier, where they pumped the spirit box through noise-canceling headphones or a blindfold and would just say what they heard. And regardless of what the investigators around them are doing or saying, because they can't see or hear it, 
and that led to some of the most compelling paranormal investigation I think I've seen on film for me. Um, the concept behind a spirit box is it con it just continuously scans through radio channels. Like, and there's a lot of the time it's just static. But occasionally, for whatever reason, bits of, like, words will come through. And the idea is you can coax an entity to manipulate the spirit box to speak to you, to say relevant things to what you're asking. <clears throat> um, I think you can see right away how this isn't very compelling when it's a bunch of people sitting around the room and they're interpreting what they want out of what they're discussing and what have you. But when you remove that element, when it's somebody just reciting what they're hearing but can't hear the questions, can't hear what's going on or see what's going on, and then what they're saying does line up with what's being discussed or asked or what have you, I, I'm interested. Again, it's not proof. It could be seriously strong coincidences, but it's it's definitely compelling. When you <clears throat> what do you think? I don't have one for the simple fact I can't stand the sound. Uh, it it irritates me. I, I'm not saying there's not something to it. I'm not saying people shouldn't use it, but personally, when I've been around spirit box sound, it's like. You can talk about third eye or spider sense or whatever it is that I, I get that makes me think something's going on. When a spirit box is running, it drowns it all out to me personally. Right. So I, and I've watched many investigations with them, and sometimes <clears throat> it's just too good for me to believe it. Like it lines up too well, kind of thing. Yeah, it seems scripted. Basically, is what I'm saying. Just, it's just too good to be true. <laughs> and I don't try to discount everything like that, but like, it's it happens a lot. Yeah, a lot. I regard the source and, when that happens. It depends on the source of whether or not I'll give it any kind of credibility or not. Right. Yeah. Which I don't want to put any paranormal investigation show on blast, but there are some that I have a hard time, hard time believing. It's usually the ones that'll jump to crazy conclusions. Like, uh, I always joke like the uh, there's like <coughs> a noise in the other room. They're like, it's demons, like. They're all the right. ancient alien guy, but for for this kind of paranormal. Right. And it's those those shows that in my experience typically have the too good to be true evidence. Right. Quotes. But you definitely know what I what I'm saying. Like it's like if you're on investigation and you get something on spirit box once and it's kind of different you're like okay that's cool but when when you're when you're in an experience and like you're hearing 
exactly what the person was saying or what the what the area was about and stuff. You're just like, it's super cringe to me sometimes. So I, I don't know. I'm on the fence when it comes to the spirit box. Personally, I hate it. And the reason I hate it is that the background noise yeah. drowns out a lot of what experiences you could have. Like yeah, it's, it's so loud. So freaking loud. It's and too that, loud. Like if that, they can make that device 10 times quieter, I might use it. That, that's why I, I was so, so compelled with, with how they use it in Hellier because <clears throat> 90% of the investigators aren't hearing that crap. They're still experiencing everything around them. It's one person that's sacrificing their experiences to to listen to that right <laughs> and and picking out words that don't make sense to them if they're doing it legitimately um so that frees up the rest of the investigators to still experience and to still investigate i like that i don't like when the group is sitting in the middle of a room with that thing fucking blaring and yeah like, what are you getting done, man? <laughs> yeah. Yep, hundred percent. I can tell you from the 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 deprivation standpoint, weird shit happens. Uh, a lot of weird shit happens. <laughs> like, I don't know what that's about. Like, I went into a uh, what they call a reflecting pool up in Westerville, Ohio, for um therapy like actual actual therapy right mm -hmm. and i experienced things in that pool that i can't explain like what what and if you if you tie that into paranormal investigation like yeah what what's what's going on okay. this is one of the reasons i went a fucking god helmet I want to experience like I, I want I want to be I would love to be in a, a sensory deprivation chamber with the god helmet on which if you guys don't know the god helmet is a piece of equipment that was developed uh off the uh the theory of the science of people having religious experiences and using different frequencies and what have you to uh trigger that feeling in the human body uh, basically opens basically opens up your mind your being to to these feelings which a lot of people think that is actually actually triggering an event i want to feel that especially since i'm sensitive to to, to fields like the mf field um theta waves hit me in a huge way like there is a we're listening to a, a song in a in uh, something we were watching and I'm like I think there's theta waves in that like I feel it like my body is reacting and I look it up and they were using theta waves in, in the music that you know have an effect so like something that's so potent in its manipulation of these things I, I want to get hit by that it's probably going to mess me up but I got to know <laughs> I, <laughs> I got to feel it you think you want to know? I mean, I'll but probably. Do you know. really want to know? <laughs> like, it's probably going to suck for me for a while after. I, I get that, but like, my curiosity is too much because I do. 
uh, I do experience stuff like that when, when I'm being affected uh, with those frequencies. Um, that's part of like what I do for my spirituality, for my shamanism and stuff is, is to hit that level of consciousness so that I can do my works and learn and have you. So if I have scientific equipment that affects that stuff, that's all the more interesting because that's the magic being one step closer to being understood. And I'm not afraid of that. Like, I love magic. I love the unknown. I, I love that that feeling of wonder a lot. But I'm not afraid to take that and make it known fact as well. Like, I think that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good step. As long as we're not losing something with it. So I want to explore it. I want to explore these sciences of frequency manipulation and how they affect the body and what that means. That's all very interesting to me. Yeah, deprivation, sensory deprivation, along with like meditation and stuff, is is crazy, uh, and, and and crazy in a good way. Like, I I went into the meditation pool just to relax, not to have a spiritual experience, not to like see shit, not to trip or whatever you want to call it. Right? I'm just like, all right, I'm going to do this to relax. And I'll give a little bit of a personal experience, but a buddy of mine uh, worked at a spa in Westerville, Ohio, and he said, "Dude, we got this. We have this uh, reflecting pool, that, and, and like I, I he's like, I use it like once a month, and it calms me down, it centers me, and stuff. You you should try it." And he gave me basically a, a coupon to go for for one time for free. Mm-hmm. I like okay, you know, whatever, I'll try it. You know, and basically it's just a uh, waist deep, basic pool of water. Um, They put um, really high salinity water in it. They like Epsom salts or whatever, Mm because it, it, you know, that's very therapeutic, right? It helps your bones. It helps your, your, you know, our arthritis, right? Right. And... It's a, uh, a a completely dark experience. There's like a little cover that they put over it, so you're in complete darkness. There's no sound. It's in a, a soundproof chamber, and you just lay there. You relax. They have a little thing you can put over your eyes if you want, um, and you just lay there for 45 minutes and chill, just zone out. And my experience was this. I, I got in, I got comfortable, you know, I was enjoying the, the warmth of the water. I was relaxing, got myself self-floating, like I was just suspended in the water. Mm-hmm. Some people can't do that, by the way. Yeah. But, um, and then I, I've always meditated through, since I was very young, since I was probably in my late teens, I started meditating. And there's different ways people meditate. I meditate by sitting in a in a uh, cross leg position i try to clear my mind i i go to my happy place and i concentrate on getting myself to that place and i know meditation is different for anybody else but this is mm-hmm. what my experience was so i got myself to my happy place right right and then all of a sudden i was like i was teleported there 
physically felt like I was physically in this place. And then the really weird stuff started happening. Like I started feeling like there were presence with me. Like I felt like there were people around me. Couldn't see them, right? Mm -hmm. But I felt people's presence. And these were people that I knew. And, and here's the kicker. These people are alive. So it's kind of like the whole human consciousness thing. Like we're all technically in one shape or form or another, we're, we're connected, right? The human spirit, there's a lot of discussion about it being everybody's, everybody can tap into the spirit, right? Into this consciousness or whatever. Right. And that, that was my experience. I had experienced that I was in my happy place. And I was surrounded by other human presence. That's that was my experience. Very interesting. I wish something like that could be recorded for observation. You do, but maybe you don't. Because I always get kind of wary when they're like, let's record brain activity kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I don't want other people to. I want to be able to observe. Uh, okay. And it's like, that, that starts, that, that's a dark, that could be a dark path there. Super, like MK Ultra crap, like yeah. programming people subconsciously. And like, yeah, that, that stuff gets scary. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> well, back to uh, back to the the ghost investigations. When I go on an investigation, and again for me, I'm not scientifically proving anything. It's for my own enlightenment, which is a little selfish, but it is what it is. I understand that I'm not, I don't have the scientific discipline to be able to apply the scientific method to this this particular field of investigation, just because I feel so connected to it. Um, I, I trust my experiences, but I would not be so arrogant as to say, uh, that I have a bead on absolutely everything that's going on and <clears throat> happening. What, what I experience is a hundred percent. Um, I, I understand that, that I'm, I can be affected by my emotions and what have you. So I don't bring a bunch of stuff. I don't even do EVPs. I go there purely for the experience and I'll help other people. Like if, if I'm going with other people and they want to do, you know, EVPs and they have their meters and everything, I, I'm on board. I'll help them. It's just not what I focus on. So when I go, I like to go, um, at least once during the day. If not, if for nothing else, else other than safety, you want to be able to, to get to know the surroundings better. Because if you're at a place and it's dark, you could trip, you could, you know, all kinds of accidents could happen. Uh, but also to just get a, get a read because a lot of places haunted or not just have a different vibe, um, in the daytime than they do in the nighttime. And I want the whole picture. So I'll try to go during the day, walk around, get a sense of things because uh, I guess to me, my, I am the paranormal equipment when I go investigating. I, I, I like it's all about 
what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, seeing, smelling, hearing. Um, and I kind of just get that daytime read. Um, and I'll usually, I always, always grab a bite after that so I can process. Grab a bite to eat. I do, I do my best processing and conversing uh, over food. Um, so I'll grab a bite to eat and I'll process everything that I saw. I try not to read too much into things at this point. Um, I don't want to get too many preconceptions, but I will discuss what I felt and what have you with whoever I'm with. And then at dusk, I'll return. Um, there's, I feel like dusk is a time stuff happens. I think midnight is a time that stuff happens. I think 3 a.m. specifically is a time that stuff happens. And then the last kind of blurb of stuff seems to happen right around dawn. Isn't so, 3 a.m. what they call the witching hour? They do call it the witching hour. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of different reasons for 3 a.m. Uh, being a big deal. Let's see where the witching hour comes from. Uh, they also call midnight the witching hour. Um, okay. Some say between the hours of 2 and 4 a.m., which is 3 a.m. Um, also happens to be the time of peak uh, melatonin in the body. So maybe there's something with... Our sensitivity? Yeah. 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 Um, for me, it's also uh, numerology. It's something I'm kind of getting into, not super deep because I'm not a, a math guy, but the number three is very important amongst a bunch of different uh, religions, spirituality. Now let me tell you about that number. Jeez. <laughs> number three is very important. And multiples of three, and that's where the numerology kicks in. But um, So I'll go in and out of a place. I'll hit there at dusk, and I'll, I'll look around. And this is if I have the access to the place for all this, because that can vary. But I'll hit it for an hour around dusk. I'll hit it for an hour around midnight. I'll come back in at 3 a.m. Um, and usually I'll stay for the whole hour of 3 a.m. And then I'll hit it again right before dawn. Um, you know, sometimes you're just there all night because that's what you're able to do and what have you. But I like going in and out because I think that that helps me reset my gauges and it helps... Uh, like bring new energy into the space because I think that these entities, whether ghosts or otherwise, feed off that energy to be able to affect things. And I I just observe. I'll go around. I'll have a flashlight mainly for safety. I have pretty good night vision, but I'll at least have it on me in case I need it. Um, I'll go. I'll sit in rooms and I'll do <coughs> stuff in a meditative sto- meditative pose. For me, it's uh, it's usually a slightly reclined position, and I'll just observe. I mainly observe with my ears and and feeling. Although I find scent as a way more of a sense way more important than you would think, because a lot of the paranormal investigations that we are seeing that's not our own is on TV, so you can't smell, you can't experience that. And they can't really record it, so they're not talking about it as much. But I find it comes up a lot. But I go from room to room or space to space doing that. I'll sit quietly, let everything settle around me, and I'll observe. 
that's that's the biggest part of it for me is a interaction like uh talking back and forth is not something i've i've been able to experience unfortunately so when that happens i'll let you guys know and how i deal with it and everything um and then of course i wrap up the the uh the investigation with another meal with whoever i'm investigating with to go over what we've seen uh discuss what we think things mean and if we feel we should come back that's basically how i do an investigation uh what about you um it depends on where i'm going um <clears throat> but having fuel in the fire is definitely important uh i think there's a a, a lot of uh credence in daytime investigations um especially areas that are notorious for having um nighttime experiences i think it's uh, it's two sides of a coin i think if you go around high noon um you can definitely have increased chances of having experiences a lot of the um what i would call the elemental or the the natural experiences that i have that might not be like human spirits is that making sense uh-huh. happen during the day um, a lot of it's tied to, I think, nature itself. I think there's part of our sensory, sensory um, our sight, sense, you know, sense of smell, taste, and all that stuff. There's a lot more to it than just all this food tastes good or all this food smells good. I think, like you were talking with smell, I think it means a whole lot more. And I think as if we've become more civilized and less in touch with nature, we've lost the understanding of those senses. Right. Because, you know, you could you could go into a place like I've gone into places like I, I discussed this in our last podcast where I would smell cigar smoke, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, it definitely can get into wood and it can definitely come out of wood when it's dried or and or gets wet right there's definitely expansion of the wood it releases scent like this is actual like we could call proof right it's not Mm. paranormal it's actually physical right right but it could it also be paranormal at the same time see that's that's the thing like right i don't know it's 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 hard to define yeah but the reason i say that is because I've had experiences where I get that tingle, right? Mm-hmm. And then I have that smell. Yeah. It'd be one thing just to have the smell and smell it and have no sensation or whatever. You're like, oh, all right, I smell cigarette smoke or I smell cigar smoke or I smell campfire or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's experience like, oh, I feel like something's going on and then, then you smell it. I don't know. There's some kind of correlation there at least. Right. It's, uh, it's regardless of, of anything, it's compelling. It keeps us going. It keeps us looking and, and looking for the truth. I think that's, uh, the good thing. <clears throat> so I would, uh, I would say there's definitely some, some things I would caution against when you're paranormal investigating, when you're ghost hunting specifically. 
Um, and that is try, try to maintain a reasonable level of skepticism while you're investigating because too easily can, and this is mainly if you're looking for the, the scientific approach, looking for evidence. If you're, if you're going about it kind of like for what I'm doing, uh, try to maintain a reasonable amount of skepticism only to keep yourself honest to yourself. Otherwise, you know, watch a scary movie. Um, but definitely if you're looking for scientific proof and what have you, maintain that, that reasonable, healthy level of skepticism. Make sure you are aware that as humans, we feed off each other. And that's, you know, happiness, anger, and fear. All these things we can feed off each other. So if you keep that reasonable level of, of skepticism, you can help combat that that instinct to you know go with whatever the people around you are picking up. Um, question yourself. Never assume that it is exactly what you you necessarily think it is. Like never never assume you are right. Um, this isn't an exact field. We're learning. Don't, don't get arrogant with it. Don't get uh, overconfident in yourself and what you've experienced. Um, that goes in with the skepticism, but uh, always look for the most. Uh, what's 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 it called? The 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 simplest explanation is usually the the right one. There's a, there's a, that's called something. I forget what it is, but that that's the truth. If there's a simple explanation for the thing, you can pretty much go with that. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's a duck. Right. So you got to keep that in mind when you're looking for your stuff, looking through your stuff when you're investigating. Um, Be safe when you investigate. Make sure you have a flashlight. Make sure you uh, not only know your surroundings, but... And this should go without saying, but I'll say it. Have permission to be where you're at and make sure people know you're there. Um, that way you don't have any issues with uh, law enforcement. You don't have issues with with owners, with somebody mistaking you for, for being uh, something or someone else. Um, that, it, that's the same whether you're investigating... Uh, a house, a warehouse, a forest, a graveyard. Make sure you have permission to be where you're at. Make sure people know you're there. Um, like if you don't come home from the investigation, people need to know where to look. Maybe you fell and broke a leg or what have you and you need to be rescued. Well, people don't know you're there. They can't necessarily go and find you. So be safe. Make sure people know where you are. Make sure they know when to expect you back. Um, Ghost hunting and paranormal investigation can bring you into some weird places that people aren't often around. So I just, I think it's better and safer to make sure people know. Um, I think uh, if you do use electronic devices, um, never assume that you have enough batteries. Never assume. Yeah. Never assume that you charge that stuff 
like go have a checklist go through it um make sure that stuff's already charged and ready to go before you leave and that you have backups of backups i would keep more backups in the vehicle or whatever you came to the location in, not just in the bags you're carrying around. Um, if stuff gets drained or whatever, which is another thing that happens that I don't think science has hammered out. That's very interesting. Sometimes your batteries get drained. Um, I think it's entities, whether ghosts or whatever, drawing the energy from your batteries to actually do stuff. But if your batteries and stuff are in your car away from whatever you're experiencing, there's a chance that the charge will still be in those batteries because it wasn't there. So you don't, the, the investigation isn't scrapped because the stuff in your bag is, is drained. You can keep going through the night. So definitely don't forget to do that. Um, what else do you think, uh, either tips or things that people should avoid? Um, I like to go into air into investigations as neutral as possible. Um, a certain type of investigation, obviously there's certain places I love going back to that. I've, I've had many, many experiences at, like you could never go into that situation neutral. Like you have your, uh, like I say, try like you were saying, try to stay, you know, skeptical, right? I try to keep myself neutral when I go into an investigation, but there's some places that I go that <clears throat> a Moonville Tunnel is one of them. I, I mean, like, this sounds a little crazy, but every single time, every single time I go to Moonville Tunnel, I have experiences. Mm -hmm. Every single time. And that's an exception to the rule because there's other places that I've gone to multiple times where I've only had experience once or twice, right? Mm -hmm. That that area is affects me and affects a lot of people. There's a lot of stories about Moonville Tunnel, but there's there's something going on there. Like I don't know, it's more of the magic. It's more of the unexplained. Like what is that? Like so there's like when you have types of investigations. There's like cold investigations. Like my friend will tell me, you know, hey, I went here and I did this and this. I was like, well, stop. Uh, just tell me where it's at. Let me go there. Let me record my experiences. And then afterwards, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's compare notes kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Because if you go into a place with the preconditions of like, well, this person had this experience, this happened, this is what's known to going on. I think you open yourself up to a lot of the spooking yourself out situations. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yep. I try to avoid that. Absolutely try to avoid that. Um. So I, I have like I, I say I have three types of investigations. I have a cold investigation where I try to go into an investigation with the least amount of knowledge of what's happened there before. And I'm not talking like on a safety issue. Like I go there during the day, know my environment. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. The actual stories of the place, right? And then there's places that Moonville Tunnels, another one that it's just a place I like to go when I feel like I want to have an experience and I, I'm, I know I'm going to have an experience, which like kind of fishing hole. Right. It's kind of counterintuitive sometimes because you're already in a mindset of like something's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're already there, but I can confirm with Moonville tunnel, like the experiences are so numerous. Like I'm not wigging myself out. Right. Like it's, it's something is going on. Right. And then the third type of investigation is going, just just going out and not picking a place where you know there's paranormal activity and just doing investigations. 
And when I do that type of investigation, that's when I have what I call the 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 elemental or the nature experiences happen that way a lot. Like I'll just go fishing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll be fishing and I'll be like, okay, what what what's that? Like it what that's another thing. What is that feeling? What is that? Like science gives us nothing on that. And uh, like I'd say a majority of humans have that experience, right? Right. That's not it's not very uncommon that people get that feeling. And it's saying what that feeling is is also hard to determine because it's different for everybody, right? Right. But what is that? Some sort of instinctual thing programmed into our being. A lot of people actually uh are becoming more and more deaf to it. deaf to a lot of instinctual feelings like it's like they're gripping on to to the negative instinctual things and losing all the actual helpful instinctual things it's it's kind of crazy but um i i i think as humanity kind of slips further and further away from that i think those instincts will be numbed and i don't think science will ever figure them out because they'll be irrelevant which is unfortunate But like, like I have the natural experiences. There's some of the 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 crazy experiences because earlier you were talking about fairies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some some neutral stuff going on. Um, and you know, I think that I, I don't want to label as elements or I don't know natural forces i guess like the force of nature kind of thing you know what i'm saying yeah i think most of that sometimes people interpret it as evil but really it's just like hardcore neutral right because well, it, it i find in nature you know people people don't people that don't hunt and stuff they don't see a certain side of nature that a lot of people would call evil, but it's just natural. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And I think we can we can dig into to a lot of this because I have a lot to say on this topic in a, in another episode for sure. Uh, but to touch on it briefly, I I think that there's. No entity, no being, I think, is inherently good or evil. I think that there's, just like a person, there's choices that are made. There's influences that occur that make individual entities sway one way or another. And I think individuals of the same persuasion tend to group together. Um, that being said, I think in some places you could experience something, whether it's more of a nature spirit or a ghost or whatever, and it comes across as neutral or even good or, or healing or, or, or even almost seeming malicious, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all of those things are one of those things. And it doesn't even mean if we perceive it as malicious or 
or evil, that that is actually what's going on. I think it's way more nuanced than that, which is both terrifying and uh, and encouraging. I don't like to think that there's something out there that is just pure evil for evil's sake. That doesn't make sense to me. But maybe it's, you know, I'm just not grasping something with my with my human mind. But there are places that you can go, again, like fishing or going through the woods, where you'll see, like, the raw, like, almost coldness of nature, like seeing uh, an animal kill. Like, if you see where, where coyotes or a wolf has, or wolves have uh, ran down its prey and and taken it out, where it just seems almost, it, almost malicious and evil but it's not that's that's nature it's these these animals need to do this to survive and some of their methods seem cruel when all it is doing is sharpening their skills or uh, just a byproduct of how they have to be programmed to do a thing but you can also go and, and find and it's usually in places where the earth is opened up, where you can just get this energy, this vibe, this feeling of wrongness. And, and those are two different things. While they both look kind of evil or, or give an idea of evil, they're actually at the, at the core different things. And I think you'll find, if you were investigating such areas, a lot of, of different uh, like spectrums of of effect in that that area where it seems evil truly evil uh than you would at like an animal kill like the magnetic field will probably be different there's all kinds of stuff that's probably going on in the other where at that kill it's probably going to be pretty neutral i think that's that's interesting and compelling of itself That makes sense. I feel like I went on a kind of a, a ramble. There. No, it totally like like it's that kind of stuff's hard to put to words because unless you have that experience, like you don't really can't really understand it. Oops. Like I I can give an example. Like the first time I took uh, Chloe deer hunting with me, and she'd always watched deer hunting videos with me she's seen people you know take deer shoot deer kill deer right mm -hmm. and um didn't bother didn't bother didn't bother then we were we went on our first actual trip together it wasn't you know her first kill or anything like that she was just with me learning and we we i i got a uh you know like i think it was like eight point buck or whatever and we took it you know we're sitting there and i shot it and we tracked it and i was field dressing it and i was doing it all other you know she was just nothing but questions right it didn't really bother her and then later on she she asked me she said you know she asked me about well how does the deer have fear does the deer have a soul you know and stuff like that we got on a you know a spiritual talk about it and I explained to her, you know, my beliefs, et cetera. And we, I feel that me and her share the same beliefs. And, you know, it didn't really freak her out. And then we went on another trip with one of her friends, uh, whose dad is also a hunter. And we, we took a deer and the, the, the girl like lost her mind. You know, how can we kill Bambi? Right. Mm -hmm. 
and I had to sit her down. I had to calm her down. I had to explain to her what was, you know, what we're going on, what we believe, and all that other stuff. And then I had to have a nice long talk with her dad because I was like, "You didn't prepare your your daughter for this. Like, you can't just, man. Like, I don't understand how you not don't bring that by your kid. Like, oh, this happens, right? Like, right. it's a teaching experience." But yeah, that that's the kind of experience I'm talking because in nature, when a, a pack of wolves, right, take down a deer, it ain't pretty. And a lot of people could, I could definitely see how a lot of people could construe that as malicious. Right. And that's kind of what I, what what we're getting at with those experiences. Like you have to prepare for that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But uh, I, I dwell on this uh, in this episode uh, because I think that um, it plays into paranormal investigation and ghost hunting in the way of my example of, of the person who hears something in the other room and says it's demons. What we're observing, we don't have all the context. So even if you're seeing something that seems to be violent or negative take precautions for sure protect yourself but don't don't just write it off as all there's evil stuff going on there especially if you're the type of investigator that isn't just looking for science isn't just looking for experience you're the type of investigator that wants to actually help entities move on if that's the case or what have you you just assume that something is evil just because it's scary uh you're not going to get much done and I, that's why I kind of focus on, on that little a side tangent there. That it's just compelling and interesting. And will definitely be included in, in the conversation about land whites and elementals and natural, natural paranormal experiences. Yeah, that's why on that road. Uh, as far as ghost hunting, more tri tips or tricks or anything, I think a lot of this, everybody's still learning. Isn't, there's people who've done it for a long time and they have a lot of knowledge and uh, shouting out to like the Ghost Hunters crew past and present and their new endeavors um, I like a lot of what they do they're, they don't, they're not bullshit artists they're not they're, they're passionate about what they're doing and they're trying to find uh, a way to crack the case they really are. And I think um, Jason Hawes group, they're actually spearheading uh, like a group of paranormal investigators. Like it's a, a community across the country where they're trying to all use the same methods, the same type of equipment and you know, comparing notes like we were saying, and really pushing the science forward. At least last I heard, that's, that's uh, the track they're headed on. And I think that's awesome. Um, so, uh, big, big shout out to them. Uh, Grant's group is, is also, I, I like, I like seeing what they're doing. I, I trust their results. I think that's, that's important. The only way you can really, uh, trust is huge and trust is huge in this because we haven't found a way to prove it right so you have to trust right. the people to trust it as well <clears throat> so those are some people i trust if you're interested in looking into 
paranormal investigation check those guys out um every tuesday of course uh until we're done with it check out hellier with us i'm those guys are really interesting i'm i'm into what they're talking about i'd love to get to know them more that's just a fun journey so so um is there anybody else that you you give a lot of uh credence to somebody who's very credible to you in the field that people um i mean you you pretty much named the main ones um i think i watch a lot and i i don't want to mention any of the other ones really to be honest <laughs> We won't bash anybody. So those are the people we talk Right. Like, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything. I'm not yeah. saying anything. Right, right. <laughs> but it's definitely not demons. Um, right. So, yeah, check those guys out. Uh, of course, we talk about all things paranormal podcasts. So come to us, too. We're, uh, we're not experts, but we've we've learned a lot over the years, and definitely willing to share information and i'll always share if i find new information if it contradicts something i've already said if it, if if it gives me a new perspective and a new understanding i'll let you know i'm not going to i'm not going to just dig my heels in on something that i thought even though I've... so i hope you find us to be a reliable source in this field uh, as time goes on I think that's it for uh, for ghost hunting tools, tips, and tricks. I think we covered about all the bases. What do you think? Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, for awesome. sure. Well, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Um, we hope uh, we hope you guys learned some stuff. If you have any questions, always hit us. Hit me up uh, Discord, Twitter, Instagram, in the streams when we do the streams. Uh, we'll be starting to publish the podcasts um, uh, anywhere you can find podcasts. That's in the works. I'm looking to get a theme song and uh, and like an icon and stuff so that it's more visible for uh, for those podcast platforms. So stay tuned for that stuff. Um, next week we'll be back. Topic to be determined. Uh, I'll let you guys know in the various places. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for uh, for Hellier. Um, it's going to get real nice, uh, real nice and intense. And you guys will understand uh, what it means when I say that about two weeks after watching Hellier the first time, a deflated, crinkled, metallic Mylar birthday balloon was found on my front door step. So... Synchronicities. Right. <laughs> Take a drink, everybody. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Uh, tune in tomorrow. Tune in the rest of the weekend. Of course, come back to us on Monday for more Tarkin versus the Paranormal with special guests, Wicked Tricks, and whoever else is pertinent to the subject. Have a good one. Stay safe. Stay healthy. <laughs>